0: This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique, limited-edition diamond engagement rings is available today only at BlueNile.com.
1: have three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. He Knocks it down! Osmond steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket! He crushes it home! Garland's there! Garland upstairs for Allen! Oh, look out! By Kyrie. Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie! Hey! Yes. Knocks it down! Drummond ran at him. Love this time. Up toward Drummond!
0: And Drummond does. Oh!
2: And, uh, Cleveland, this is for you.
0: All right, Evan, we're here after the Cleveland Cavaliers played a thriller of a game against the Phoenix Suns, losing 119 to 113 on Monday night. Uh, leading the way for Cleveland was Sexland for Ohio. Uh, I thought those were the three most impactful players in this game. Sexton has 23 and 10 of 15. Garland is 17 and seven, six of 18 shooting. Um, only had had a whopping one turnover against those seven assists. Isaac Okoro added 11. Um, on three of seven shooting, including two three-pointers, and played some, I thought, pretty good defense for the most part on Devin Booker. And then Jared Allen, um, starting at power forward, had 14 and 500 German at 15 and 14. Evan, uh, normally I think if this wasn't a late game, a West Coast game, we would spend more time on this game, but because it was so fun, so competitive, I think it's the kind of game that you hope the Cavs can kind of get to play and and give their young guys a chance to kind of grow through some of these kind of moments. But before we get into our normal awards, what stood out to you from this one?
2: Uh, What stood out to me was the fact that down the stretch, uh, you you texted me about this, but I 100% agree. Uh, Tori and Prince should have been in there instead of Andre Drummond at some times, just because I think the Cavs needed a little bit of a normal lineup finish the game that stood out to me i think allen and drummond is sustainable i don't think it's a workable thing long term and it's just i talked about this in our lockdown now recap um it's obvious the Cavs need kevin love back and we talked about this uh how the sausage is made for wednesday for wko i see when we preview the nuggets game if kevin comes back to that and the Cavs have a little bit more of a normal looking offensive lineup i think it's just going to do wonders for them and um sexton garland okoro alan love still has the potential to be the most fun lineup for cleveland and dylan windler looked fun too like he he had some nice moments especially on defense in this game
0: yeah i i think i i think just to address one thing that was notable i think some people were wondering how context not got called for that offensive foul on what would have been a three-point play a pretty pivotal game late uh political play excuse me late in this game i think for me I think it was very clearly a offensive foul. If you watch the replay, and it seems like, and it was also from the angle that the um, ref saw it at. He clearly kind of initiated the hook, um, mm-hmm. and and that's just got to be, I think, a learning experience. I think the other thing is just, you, you know, when you have threes that are kind of clearly open, I think you got to be comfortable shooting them, and and that's got to be a growth thing for Darius, yeah. and I think in the whole really young core here.
2: Yeah, Darius had a wide open look during this game, and he didn't take the three pointer, and it kind of made me rip out my hair for a second. But he was fairly aggressive. He was six of eighteen from the floor for seventeen points, seven assists. Um I don't know if this is really like oh this is Darius Carl this this is kind of a Darius garland putting it together game, and this isn't a game that really pops out. I mean unless you really break down the film and say like okay he wasn't the shot wasn't falling from him in the first half, so he got the rest of his teammates involved, which is the the right thing to do. Um Colin Sexton looked sharp as always. This is an ad as advertised game for Sexton, like you said, the that that tandem really carried the Cavs throughout this at times.
0: Uh, yeah, I t- I was talking with uh Brennan Kleen from Lockdown Suns over text during this game when he said uh he said he was very impressed with Garland in person. Like a very, like at the time Garland was six of sixteen and then obviously you know it would miss two more shots, but he said it was just a very impressive performance um at least you know, especially when i think a passing standpoint some of the very best plays in this game were were garland passes um that's evan that's a good segue for us to dive into our awards as usual we're going to do mvp stat of the night and play
2: of the night let's start with mvp who's your game mvp for this one mm, this is actually kind of a tough pick set so a few options here i could i'm going to give a shout out to the Torian prince he's just been playing really well off the bench with the Cavs and as a starter but I'm going to pick Darius Garland in this one just because of the seven assists were so key in Paramount. Like I said, his shot wasn't falling at first. Um, and he just kind of maintained, he, you know, be aggressive, be aggressive. That was Darius Garland tonight. And eventually his shots started going for him in the second half. And there's still some frustrating moments, but this is a very encouraging Garland game It's just a lead guard. And there's some plays, in, especially that cross he made on Carter or that underhanded lob that he had. Like, There's some really nifty and fun plays Garland made that were highlight-worthy and really kind of just make you sit up and say, okay, this kid has something here.
0: Yeah, I think one of the other little things with him that I liked, uh, Number well, two little things. Number one, I think that little one-legged floater he's seemingly I, – I can't remember him taking that – like maybe he's taken those before but not that many. I think it's a good yeah. little way for him to create a little bit of a different angle on his shot. I think that's clearly the idea there is to kind of just, just get a different kind of looking flow there. And then I think number two – um, you know he he took some deeper threes. That he had, he'd set up a little bit deeper in spots at times in this game. And I thought that was very notable. And I think you know he hit that one step back or almost hit the one step back three, um, where he faded into the corner, and it was just like a really impressive shot, and it went in and out. And I I just thought that was really good stuff. No, um, mm-hmm. oh, so for, for sure in, in tech games. Um, so he he would he would have been my pick as well. My pick though, if you go with him, is Colin Saxon, twenty three, hyper efficient in the first half had five assists, just two turnovers. I I think him and and Darius are really finding their comfort together in a lot of ways, and they're looking very, very comfortable as a duo. That's a very encouraging thing, I think, for the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point and kind of where you're going here. They were clearly the engine of what was working in this game. And, you know, Colin, you know, obviously I think the offensive foul late is a learning experience more than anything else. Um, Hit two pull-up threes in this game, which was a really good sign as well. Um, I I think overall played a pretty good game, and, I, again, I think it's him and Darius kind of leading the way in this one. I, I do just want to shout out Okora because, I, again, he, Booker just hit some adult, high, high level shots over him, but I thought he played very good defense for the most part on Book. And, and, you know, again, he's getting the gauntlet thrown at him and he's handling it, I think, as well as you could expect a rookie to do. Evan, your stat of the night is what?
2: Well, my stat of the night is the 33 bench points for Cleveland. Most of it did come from Torian Prince. But the fact that the Cavs are able to be balanced between the starting unit and the bench unit, I mean, 80 points for the – well, not 80. Um, yes, 80 points for the starters. i doing basic math in my head this late at night. But um, – that's always a good thing. But the Cavs have reliable pieces off the bench, whether it's Torian Prince, Jared Allen will jump back once Kevin Love is there, so that's another reliable piece. Chetty Osman is wildly erratic, but Dylan Windler's looking stable. Damian Dotson was impressive, and Jamil McGee probably shouldn't have gotten tossed, but Frank Kaminsky's just really annoying. But McGee looked really good in the eight minutes and twenty seconds he did play. Like it was just an overall solid effort from the bench unit for the Cavs tonight, and not something we can really say that often.
0: Yeah, I will say here, uh the, my stat is that the, I think the free throws is a good one, but I think I'm gonna go here with the the Phoenix Suns shot 53.1 um, percent at the rim. Um, that's like about as bad as the Cavs normally do in a normal season. The Cavs actually shot 75 percent at the rim in this game, and I I don't know if I would again would have stuck with the you know insistence that you know sticking with the two bigs late in the game. I don't know if that's something I necessarily would have done. Um, but this is a performance where Phoenix didn't take a lot of threes, and they took most of their shots at the rim. Um, and the Cavs, like, really did a good job with those two bigs and with kind of team defense and, and making those shots difficult. And that, that was a path for them to victory. It ultimately does not work out. But um, I, I think, you know, as much as I think there's some stuff you can pick out here with the coaching and kind of the game plan a little bit, I do think, like, that there. Th- if you look at the big picture of this game, I think the idea to go big and try to limit the, their effectiveness at the rim, I think was ultimately a pretty smart decision um, with with kind of how it worked out here and, and kind of funneling shots kind of in that direction. Evan, uh, play of the night for, for you is is what?
2: Uh, this one's tough too, but I think I'm going to have to go with the, actually the Isaac Okoro touch pass to Darius Garland was one of my favorite plays of the night because Okoro actually had a pretty good night offensively for cleveland he finished with 11 points on three of seven shooting which isn't great but two assists other than that no rebounds but there's a lot of those he played good defense kind of nights but i mean he finished in a minus 20 so he wasn't like a world beater on both sides of the ball but like that was just a smart play from okoro who isn't the most reliable three-point shooter to make a quick pass to a reliable three-point or a not necessarily reliable but a better three-point shooter in garland and that was just a good play for me
0: yeah, I I think that is a um, a very very good one. I I think for me, um, second half, Darius Garland finds a he had a bunch of really great passes in this game, but I think the one I really liked was your kind of pass Drummond open and Drummond hammers at home. It was one of the more forceful Drummond finishes that we've seen, frankly, and it was just kind of a, a good pass of Garland to get him in the right spot and get him with momentum because I think Drummond's just a much better player when he has momentum going with him, and you know you could have gone with the. Um, you know, Sexton with a really, really nice pass in the first half to Okoro cutting to the rim.
2: Or his pass um, to Jared Allen early, like, in the first quarter.
0: Yes, um, you know, I thought the early in the game he had Okoro had showing off that two-way potential with sticking a three, and then he stops Booker on the other end. That leads to a Sexton leak out and, and a pull-up make. Um you know, I, I think, you know, he had the Dylan Windler kind of put-back dunk. You had the Jetty Osmond, I thought, had some really nice defense on in transition moments to kind of alter shots in a way that kind of – it's not going to show up in the box score, but just kind of one of those things where if you're ready to write off Jetty, he does kind of come up with sometimes, like, winning basketball play sometimes. And you're like, oh, like, he just needs to, like – not have crazy shooting feet, and he can kind of be like a competent player. Um, so I, mm-hmm. but for me, it's the Darius to, to Dre one on the negative side. I, I, I,
2: Dre dropping the ball like that late in the game is absolutely, yeah. Crazy. I, oddly went, oh when I just watched him do that. I'm sure he's killing himself. Chris and I aren't doing post game just because it's late, and um, we're we both sleepy boys, yeah. We don't make a muff muff either way um no that was just one of those moments just like oh man that sucks like that's just an unfortunate turn of events for Andre because he didn't have a terrible terrible night I mean he 7 of 12 so he wasn't missing a ton of shots he was 15 points 14 boards but like just that was such a costly turnover and it was his only turnover of the night too which is even more frustrating to think about because Dre's usually has a propensity to turn over the ball and um just to have that be his only turnover is really uh crushing
0: yeah, I, uh, I, I thought he, I thought it was interesting that Phoenix didn't try to hammer him home in the pick and roll quite as much. I, I it's sort of what I,
2: the Suns had a saw. weird offensive strategy. Like I was convinced that Devin Booker, I mean Devin Booker torched the Cavs, and I think maybe the Cavs kind of punted their divisional defensive strategy, trying to slow down Book, and maybe they were just trying to funnel oh, the rest of the team. Did yeah so because like the the suns were pretty unremarkable ever otherwise like each Moore had 17 points you could have told me he did and i would tell you you're a liar if i wasn't looking at the box score eight had 15 and 16 kaminsky had nine bridges had 22 which is still pretty wild because it's just like the the suns kind of looked a little just haphazard and lackadaisical maybe that's part of not having chris paul and the other part is just coming off the second of a back-to-back
0: yeah that's that's probably somewhat did i i thought it was interesting german just had one of those nights where it's hard to sort of know sometimes what to make of it um because i i wonder like they could have attacked him more in the pick and roll i thought but then they didn't and he also did some stuff that was at least positive in some way so it's just kind of hard to know like what to to make of that um you know in some ways and in, in 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 a way that i don't exactly know what to kind of figuring out you know in, in at least some instances there but that 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 Dropped pass where he had the ball kind of right there and he just needed to grab it um, was like the final nail in the Cavs having chances of winning, and, and that's just kind of bad. All right, that's going to be it for yeah. the game. Again, the Cavs lose um, 119 113, 10 and 15. Road trip continues Wednesday in Denver. Denver right now is about to lose, finish a loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and so these teams will be back in action. Both with the day off in between games on Wednesday night in Denver. Um, Evan, any quick final thoughts before we head into our uh, sponsors, and we hear from, and then I'll be back talking about the play in turn with Bill D. Filippo after the break.
2: Well, shouts to Darius Garland for being the fourth youngest player to reach a thousand points in Cavaliers history, behind LeBron, Colin Sexton, and Kyrie Irving. And also, Chris, there's no other way I'd rather spend my last. 10 ish minutes of being 27 years old so if you are listening tomorrow on february 9th it is my day of birth um send me your favorite meme when you say if you happen to say hbd to me
0: yeah uh happy birthday to evan because as long
2: as it's appropriate yeah nothing 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 raunchy i'm getting old so i gotta be a little bit more crotchety about things
0: uh, funny stuff all right that's gonna be it uh we'll be again after the break here uh bill Flippo from up rocks is joining me to talk about the plane tournament uh what the Cavs can kind of get out of the season and it's a very fun conversation with one of my absolute favorite people uh in basketball all right. and we i said one of my favorite evan you're my favorite oh don't tell your wife that no this is like this is like basketball media favorite not like my oh, favorite.
2: oh okay Okay okay,
0: you're making it weird.
2: Let's go to bed. <laughs>
0: all right, good night everyone. We'll talk, we'll talk to you tomorrow. check us out on WkyC then Today's episode of Lockdown Cabs is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to their website now, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for that 50% welcome bonus. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today po- podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our lo- local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me now is the great Bill Filippo from Uproxx. Bill, what's up, buddy? How are you?
1: I'm doing well, Chris. Uh, getting over uh, how bad the Super Bowl was, uh, but other than that, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, man?
0: I'm doing good. I like you. Um, uh, this is the second podcast in a row I'm bringing this up, and I feel no shame. I I like you. I'm also very um, displeased with the Twitter discourse on Phoebe Bridgers smashing her guitar. <laughs> um,
1: listen, man, it was cool. Yeah, it like, was. Uh, who cares? It, yeah, it <laughs> was.
0: Phoebe Bridgers can do absolutely no wrong. Um, just. I,
1: I- Absolutely.
0: Just a a wonderful human being and a wonderful, (laughs) just the the boomers telling on themselves on Twitter with Phoebe is just, is everything you want. But we're here to talk about the Eastern Conference, uh, the playing Tournament specifically. Uh, We wanted to get an outside perspective on where we think this is. And we're recording this on Monday. This is dropping on Tuesday. So some of the, the, some of the standings could be a little bit different, but right now, seven through 12 looks like this um Hornets at seven Knicks at eight Raptors at nine Cavs at 10 Bulls 11 Heat 12 uh they're all sandwiched within uh one and a half games of each other still pretty early in the season relatively Bill I look at this and I I think number one I feel like Toronto and Miami would be the two teams you'd expect to kind of continue up Orlando is right outside of this as well um at eight back of first place in the heat or seven and a half. so that they're pretty close but I, I think this is like the, the the group of teams I'm sort of expecting to be jockeying for this, but I, I look at this grouping and I'm thinking, okay, it feels like heat that Miami and Toronto should kind of end up being the class of this group in some way. Is, is that an inaccurate read on your part?
1: Well, the interesting thing about all of this is that if you, so let's take a step back and look at the Eastern Conference as a whole. I think we can probably agree that there are six teams that we would be surprised if they were, in this conversation, uh, which is Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, I would be stunned if they if they got anywhere near uh, the seven or eight seed. Boston, I'd also be stunned, even if you know they've had su- such a very strange season uh, dealing with uh, COVID, and hopefully you know they're past all that and they can start finding their stride because like this is a very fun Celtics team. Uh, then you get to the pace. Uh, then at the bottom, you get uh, Washington, Detroit, um, Washington, just. You know, they can't stop anyone like Bradley Beale's appointment television. But other than that, I, like, I just don't think they are going to be able to have the horses to get up to the 10 seed, even though they're only, uh, let's see, three games back of the Cavs uh, who are sitting in there right now. And the Detroit is just a disaster. They just traded Derrick Rose. You know, maybe Blake Griffin is on the way out next. Maybe they start having a bit of an unloading of their older players and just go all in on you. So let's set those teams aside. Let's also probably set Indiana aside. Yep. Uh, obviously everything going on with Karis Levert. Uh, hopefully he's able, he's able to get healthy. He's able to get back on floor as soon as possible. Like that really is one of the most stunning things that has happened in the NBA this season. Uh, the fact that that trade very likely saved his life, but, Beyond that, the Pacers are a really good basketball team, even without Karras. I'd be a little bit surprised if they uh, slipped up just because they, you know, they have a lot of talent the way they play. They're one of those teams that I think really values getting to the playoffs. So even though they've lost three in a row, I'm not too worried about them. You then get into that morass. You went uh, seven through. Uh, 12 if you look at 60 atlanta hawks they're at five and five yeah they're right there uh, they're, they're 11 and 12 they're five and a half games back of first place they're right there the orlando magic uh you know half game back of the heat there's a big jumbled mess right now trying to jockey for the last definite berth in the postseason and then those four play play-in spots and i think i agree with you that by the time the dust settles Toronto and Miami have built up so much trust that they are going uh, to right the ship, get on track, and if they are in that tournament, be hell to play against. But you also look at all of those teams, and I think there's things to like about Charlotte with uh, Gordon Hayward having a, you know, I don't want to say a bit of a renaissance. He's just being showcased more. LaMelo Ball being nightly tell appointment television. The Knicks and how hard they play, particularly on defense. The Cavs and just how fun of a story uh, they have been this season, even if, uh, you know, there's stuff going on with them that I'm sure we're going to talk about. The Bulls, uh, you know, just kind of treading water, consistently being there. And then the Magic being the Orlando Magic and always being in this conversation that. While I definitely agree with you, Toronto and Miami are the two teams that I would say I trust the most. It's going to be hell fighting through this just morass of teams and both getting to the play-in tournament and getting through the play-in tournament when that uh, when that day comes.
0: I think that's right. I think all of these teams, like, like Toronto, I, the reason... To say it out loud, I think the reasons I look at Toronto and Miami and think, okay, they're probably going to be fine is, number one, like they have two – like Nick Nurse and Eric Spolster are probably two of the top three to five coaches in the league. Very crafty, I think better, more proven in high-leverage situations than anyone else on the list. Um, you would think that just like Jimmy Butler being back and eventually kind of being peak Jimmy Butler close to it again gets Miami to a different Bam's obviously absolutely incredible. Um, you know, you have – you have in – In Toronto, like, I – there's, like, some, like, do they trade Lowry stuff. I just assume they're going to probably, like, make a a win now, sort of one-year kind of, like, keep cap space open, but, Mm. like, go try to make another kind of run. It just doesn't seem in the DNA of that franchise to me to, like, mess with that, you know? Like, maybe it's Drummond, and that's, like, a whole other can of worms for them, but, like, you could do stuff to, like, continue. All these other teams are kind of a mess, and all of them kind of have flaws. Like, the Cavs have a broken offense. Um the Chicago Bulls like just lost marketing and like, do they have a, a kind of a lead guard to kind of distribute the ball effectively? You know, like the Knicks, like just may, are, are they going to get rid of a, no minutes in place for Derek Rose? Like that seems like a, a mistake and a very Tibbs thing to do. Like, you know, like through the Hornets, like have enough juices, like, is there like enough juice there to, for them to kind of carry things through, even if they're really well coached in Haywards, but amazing. Like, I think all these teams do have some kind of some clear weaknesses. Um, and it does, it, it seems to me oversimplified to say this, but I keep thinking about this and it's like I think some of this is just gonna be luck. Like who who isn't injured during a key run of the season? Like who is able to not have a COVID outbreak on their team because they're actually being very precautious about it? Like I, I think stuff like that's gonna factor into this much more than like some of the the X's and O's and some of like the schematic and things. It's just gonna be one of those weird things where it just kinda breaks a certain way and then like you just got to see where the chips fall. Is That 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 to me just seems like how this probably ends up even between 6 and, and 12 of this conference. Aside from, you know, I think Miami and Toronto are fine. And then under that, it's like, okay, who gets really lucky and who who doesn't?
1: And, and something that you mentioned in there, Chris, that I found very interesting was the, the possibility of making some sort of move. And even if I don't necessarily uh, know if they make some sort of mo- – either team makes some sort of move – I think there is something about to being a franchise that knows what it takes to make the playoffs uh, knows what it takes uh, that really values winning games in the regular season and playing hard in the regular season, having that pride about you. Like the Toronto Raptors do not want to go from winning a championship two years ago to now not being able to even get to the show, uh, two years later the miami heat they do not want to go from a team that had this magical run to the finals and you know every single person it seemed like was whispering oh this is fluky they just were best equipped to handle the circumstances i don't think they that like that's going to hang over them that's going to motivate them and Whether it's in making a move, whether it's in the coaches making adjustments to what they do on the floor, to their rotations, to any sort of thing, I just think that when you look at – we'll leave the top six teams and the bottom two teams out of this again – Charlotte, New York, Toronto, Cleveland, Chicago – Miami Orlando there are two teams in there that know exactly what you have to do in order to make it to the postseason uh, and that's the Toronto Raptors the Miami Heat every other team is you know obviously there are players on them that know what the postseason is how to get there that sort of thing but like the Hornets the Knicks the Cavs the Bulls you know, the Magic to an extent well the magic exists to get the seven seed and then lose in four or five games, so neither here nor there, but the rest <laughs> of those teams, like they're not exactly postseason stalwarts with a ton of, ta- a ton of players and, a you know, big coaching staffs that have the equity that Toronto and Miami and the know-how that Toronto and Miami has. So that's probably the thing that I'm going to be looking out for the most heading uh, to the next couple of weeks. Uh, less so with Toronto. Cause I, you know, I just don't count them out, but definitely with Miami because Miami, um, they have been, what's, what's the, uh, word? not good. No, no, not real bad.
2: Yeah.
0: Today's episode of lockdown Cavs is brought to you by rock auto rock is a family business serving auto parts, customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Evan, uh, my co-host here on Lockdown, says used Rock Auto before to save a bunch of money when he had to get his air conditioner in his car replaced. That is obviously super important. This happened in the middle of the summer, and he saved hundreds of dollars by going to Rock Auto instead of just going through his local body shop. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts they have available for your car or truck, and when you order something, write Lockdown in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need, Check out rockauto.com. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than a Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala from Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sport. Subscribe to Locked On Presents podcast feed on radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Here, to bring this to a Cavs thing, they have not played, like, any meaningful games in two seasons. Like, they've been very, they've been, like, arguably the worst team in the league over, over a two-season sample going into this year. Now, that has changed this year. I think the wheels are coming off a little bit. I'm skeptical that a team that is, kind of, to me, like, has such a kind of busted offense and, like, now Larry Nance is out four to six weeks and, like, you know um, I, I think relying as heavily on Drummond as they have is has a clear ceiling on that but maybe that's changing because they're going to take more threes Kevin's going to be Kevin Love's going to be back in that like even if he's not apex Kevin Love like him just bombing threes like should should like raise the floor of this offense a little bit in theory I, I think you're going to like the growing pains for them are going to I think going to be real like I think like Colin Second's having a really really good year I think Darius Garland's also having a pretty good year like do you ha- do they know how to do this kind of stuff yeah like is it or is this like year 1 of a of a progress towards like being more competitive basketball but i think it's a good point on your part it's like do any of these teams have that like like atlanta doesn't you know like trey ha- trey is like maybe the, the is the biggest star among uh, of these non like heat and raptors teams but like they haven't had to play Meaningful tough basketball yet, you know. Like Hayward is Hayward probably has the biggest pedigree, but like his he hasn't exactly been the leader in these biggest, biggest moments due to injuries and just due to what happened at Utah. Like the the Knicks' biggest playoff vet is Tibbs, or you know, (laughs) like I don't think any of these teams have like a have an advantage in that, and that that, that's that led to an era of kind of unpredictability. And just with it's just with the Cavs, particular, like. I just I, I think it's just interesting to see all these teams have to go through that because I I hope again like, we don't know what the second half of the schedule looks like you know I keep I keep having to remind myself that we just don't know what that looks like but when we see what that looks like I'm kind of hoping like Cleveland will play Chicago a bunch and Cleveland will play like the Hornets again and stuff like that like I want to see these teams all kind of go against each other because I think it would it'll tell it'll if these games kind of matter in some way I think that that's ultimately a good thing even if it like if you're a Cavs fan and you want them to make the playing tournament let's say. Even if it breaks the wrong way for them, getting good games in is good for Colin Sexton. It is good for Darius Garland. It is good for Isaac Okora. Like, it matters if you can get those kind
1: of reps in, I think. So, so, something I want to ask you. It, It seems pretty obvious to me that the smart move for Cleveland is to just figure out Somewhere else to send Andre Drummond. Like, I'm sorry if uh, I seem like a bit of a Cavs accelerationist here and I'm like, I'm coming onto a a team I don't follow's podcast and projecting or anything like that. But like, it seems like the smart thing for them to do is to send Andre Drummond somewhere, give those minutes to Jared Allen and just let Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, uh, Jared Allen, like these young guys play as much as possible together, coalesce together. uh, And if it leads to them having a higher pick in, in a pretty good draft, that's the smart thing to do. Uh, j- just from what you know, what you understand, is that something that you'd agree with? Because like, I, th- I don't think it's really pressing that the Cleveland Cavaliers make the playoffs this season. But I think that it would be very smart for them looking one year, two years, five years down the road to say, we have a couple of building blocks here and Colin and Darius uh, and Jarrett and a few other dudes. Let's let this year be the year where they start to get to know how to play alongside one another and build up a rapport that will carry us forward. Is that what, am I off base there?
0: No, I I think that's right. I think Kobe Altman said when they acquired Jared Allen and and Torian Prince um, that they, don't want to hit. It's not time for them to hit the gas pedal yet, and I think that's okay. right. Like, I think like since the the Nets game, like Colin Sexton has had some growing pains. Like, you know, if the, the one of the Bucks games from the weekend, like you can watch him like thinking in real time that like okay, like do I take this pull up three? Like, am I comfortable with this? Like, you're seeing him still kind of progressing in that way. Um Darius is still like kind of just figuring all that out too because he you know, had a really weird rookie year and then missed a bunch of games this year with a shoulder injury. Like, Isaac Okoro is, like, an amazingly interesting defender already as a rookie, but, like, he is, like, a complete... I, I don't know what to make of him um, on offense. Like, I think right. that, you know, they've had a bunch of injuries. Like, your boy Lamar Stevens is, like, legitimately playing, like, meaningful minutes at the four. Um, Let's go! He's actually been, like, well, he does a lot of, like, winning stuff on defense, and I'm just like, can can we get him, like, up a 1,000 shots a day? Because he's...
1: When- when you guys, like, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I don't remember why I didn't have this game turned on, but when you got, when e- Evan mentioned uh, on the podcast that Lamar, uh, you know, well, not when Evan mentioned on the podcast, when Lucas texted me and told <laughs> yes, me yes, yes. Uh, that Evan uh, said on the podcast that Lamar uh, was the MVP and then you rightly accused him of pandering to me, uh, that didn't surprise me because, like, that's exactly what I expected lamar to be able to do which is just be a big strong athletic dude and you know he's not gonna clamp a guy like Kawhi, but give those sorts of give those guys who are so whose best attribute maybe their best attribute is being really strong wing players uh you know a bit of a headache
0: they put him on Giannis for a stretch on saturday doesn't surprise me. I was like, wow, J like, it's at a point where like I wonder if they have to like convert his contract and like send Dean Wade like elsewhere. I really am like wondering if they have to like do that because JB clearly favors Lamar over over Dean Wade and one of them is a two-way player and one of them is a um a rotation player. And like Lamar is like clearly like I think the best NBA version of himself is probably not as a four um but like dean wade should be and he's just like i'm actually just gonna play lamar at the four and he's gonna do the stuff that like dean wade like can't do i don't trust him to do it's very telling um in one of those little like (laughs) <laughs> Small end of the rotation kind of things, but like, yeah, I I think your read on that is right because like I think you should I, Drummond clearly doesn't matter to the future. Like Jared Allen, like even if he's technically in terms of the stuff he can do isn't better than Drummond, I think he's a more like modern center and impacts winning in in a more meaningful way because of his screening, because he's a much better finisher at the rim, all that, and he should block shots, all that stuff. Um, I, I think your like your core clearly going moving forward is Sex Land Allen a And then like, I think, you know, if you can get a high draft pick, make sure I do think that's kind of the optimal way. And then like, you can hit the gas a little bit then. Um But I don't, I also don't think like, I also think there's a weird thing to God. Like you want to remain competitive during that. And I don't think they want to like outwardly mm-hmm. tank. Like I, exactly. Like I, you're not going to be helping the locker room. Cause like Colin is pretty open about like wanting to be more competitive. It's year three for him. And even though like he's a younger guy, and like I think like I think all NBA players get to this point where it's like okay we don't want to lose to like so a 19 year old can come in and like take my job or compete for my job or take my shots like that's just sort of how that kind of ends up working and like even if the team sort of uh, the hierarchy sort of understands like okay if we could get Kuminga if we could get Cade if we could get like you know pick your top 10 draft prospect and bring him in and make him a core part of what we're doing like it's going to help Colin it's hard to kind of like get really competitive guys to like take their foot off the gas and like play for that. That's not going to motivate them. But I think if you can toe that line, you know, and get engaged, Kevin Love to play because they're gonna. I think he wants to play meaningful basketball. Frankly, I think Larry Nance when he's back will want to continue to play competitive, meaningful basketball. I think you got to at least try. And I think if you could settle into a spot where like maybe you like you end up falling from like ten to twelve or thirteen but you're like clearly a step above Washington and a step above Detroit. That seems like a realistic place for me. And that's frankly when I think about how this shakes out, that's probably where I think the Cavs end up just because I think they're the heat will jump them. We'll see about the Bulls. But I just don't know if they can like st- they they're already dropping and that that makes sense to me in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, and they with the new lottery, oh, I probably can't say new, the Relatively recent changes uh, to the lottery odds. Like you don't have to do a straight up race to the bottom, and with how congested the Eastern Conference is this year, it's it's certainly plausible that a team like Cleveland could be, you know, twelve or thirteen in the conference and miss out on the play in tournament by. You know, two games, Uh, especially because if if memory serves, their remaining schedule. Yeah, I have it up right here. Like it's pretty
0: difficult. So at the February is absolutely like they're going to get shellacked. Like Jokic, if Drummond is not at all engaged against Jokic, even if he is, Jokic is incredible. Like the Nuggets might drop like a hundred, like thirty-five on the Cavs. Like it might just get really ugly.
1: Yeah, and like, God, uh, again, I don't want to say, uh, yeah. I don't want to be, again, like an accelerationist or anything like that, but that's a good opportunity for a guy like Allen to play a ton of minutes against, uh, depending on how you view Joel Embiid, the best or second best center in the NBA. And like they have, do they have, uh, I know they have the Sixers on the schedule. Like do they, is that one of those like Mark, Games they get at the very beginning of March or something like that.
0: Uh, let me look. I think so, but like it's so like this week. Like the like so after you, people have listened. To this the Cavs have played the Phoenix Suns. They get Denver. They get Portland. They get the Clippers again. They get the Warriors. Um, I truly just want to see Isaac Okoro like, chasing around Steph Curry for 40 minutes. Like, please just give that to me and jack that into <laughs> my veins. Um, They get the Spurs. They get, like, they have the Thunder coming up. But, like, there's – and, they, yeah, they get – on February 27th, they get the 76ers. Okay. But, like, the only, like, quote-unquote truly bad team they face over the next
1: month is the Thunder. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, that's – there are learning experience. And, and I think that might be ultimately the most important thing is that those young guys – Learn this season, and Colin Sexton, uh, you know, Colin Sexton goes up against Steph Curry and sees what that level uh, of basketball is. Or he, he goes up, he and uh, he and Darius Garland go up against Chris Paul and Devin Booker and see that level of basketball. And Jared Allen, uh, you know, gets thrown around a bit by Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. But again if you take everything as a learning opportunity and you are competitive, even if you end up, you know, hitting a, uh, you know, two wins in 10 games stretch to, to quote the great Teron Liu, it's not wins and losses. It's wins and lessons. Absolute
0: legend. Bill, we'll wrap up on this of these teams. um, We already talked about the heat and the Raptors. Okay. So of Atlanta, Charlotte, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Bulls, and we'll put the Magic in there because Steve Clifford will like eke out a top five defense, like out of his cold dead hands. Um, when he's like ninety five, he'll still just whatever team he's coaching in, like the YMCA league locally, will just be crushing in on defense. Which of those teams do you have the most faith in? Is actually is is kind of a more secure place for at least some place in this playing tournament.
1: Who do you who um, do you like for the playing tournament? W- well. Just, it's two separate co- it's two separate okay, conversations okay, right because yeah. there's the conversation about who get who just misses the play in tournament and then who gets the play in turn okay okay and again when it comes to who is able to get that six seed oh god you know the bogdanovich is out but atlanta has been good to see like trey young has been uh you know, in the midst of a very nice season, John Deandre Hunter is going to be out for a minute, which is going to be, uh, be, I think a pretty big, uh, miss for them under the radar. He's averaging 17 and five and a half a game, hitting 36% of his threes. Like that's going to be a big loss for them. but you know, John Collins has been playing well. Uh, Kevin Herter will do Kevin Herter things every now and then. I I trust that Gallinari will be able to write the ship and put Donovan. So like, there's a lot of stuff there, but again, like what, about the Toronto Raptors, it, the, am I supposed to think they're not going to be able to figure something out because Nick Nurse is there? Because unless they decide, all right, we're just going to completely blow it up, we're going to trade Kyle, we're going to uh, make a whole bunch of moves to try and uh, y- you know figure out a future that is based around Pascal and uh, Fred and OG and those sorts of guys. I just... You know what? I'll say Toronto. Like I I guess I will say now them making any sort of noise in the playoffs, uh, I think that's a different conversation. Uh but sure, let's uh let's go with Toronto. I'll say I have the most faith in
0: them. Yeah, I don't think any of those teams are necessarily like threats to like I think the upper part of the East right. is clearly very much better than than this group of teams. Um mm-hmm. and Indiana has a chance to I think like maybe join that top four or so um because the and turner are just like playing
1: out of their minds but like the 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 east is going to come down to like it i got this might be a bit of stretch the east is going to come down to who of philly milwaukee and brooklyn is able to avoid one of the other teams in the conference semis i think because if philly can get uh you know philly gets the one seed and they are able to get a uh a conference semifinal matchup against Boston or Indiana. Uh, I think that is, you know, I think there'll be a much better, basically all three of those teams are better than Boston and Indiana. you know, if Atlanta, if uh, Toronto slides into the four or five, whatever that is. Meanwhile, the other team is going to have Milwaukee and Brooklyn, Philly and Brooklyn or Philly and Milwaukee in the two, three series. Any of those have the potential to be a just a seven-game, you know, bare-knuckle brawl, all-out war, insert metaphor here for what happens if they have to run into one another. And we've seen in the playoffs how, you know, time and time again, a team gets that big matchup in the conference semifinals against another finals contender, they leave it all on the floor, and by the time they get to the conference finals, they just run out of juice. So that, like kind of stepping away from the playing tournament, that's the thing that ultimately I think decides the Eastern Conference. But fortunately, it's going to be we always talk about the west this way like oh what's the race going to be what's the race going to be blah 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 the race to figure out who's going to just straight up make the playoffs in the east is going to be awesome this year yeah
0: i think that's the ultimate thing and i think if like for the Cavs, if you're like okay like you don't think they're going to make it can they be a part at least be competitive in this for a while i think barring injury and you know again like if kevin if kevin comes back and gets hurt again like things could go off the off the radar uh pretty quick they're already slipping i think a little bit but i think there's at least a path to be a, a more competitive and be involved in that conversation and be chasing it for a while and i think ultimately that's a that's a positive and frankly for me bill that's a, ahead of where i thought they might be going into this season and that in itself is like sort of a win bill uh as always thanks again for coming on give everyone just another quick plug if they aren't already up to date on what you and the whole crew are doing over at uprocks
1: um uh you know i the super bowl just ended so we're uh really you know we're always hyper focused on the nba but now we get to uh we don't have to worry about the whole football uh thing being uh you know really sucking any of the air out of it but yeah head over to uprock sports head over to uh dime our basketball vertical and if any of you uh have jb bickerstaff's phone number just tell him to play lamar more i like i i think everyone uh would no, nothing bad can happen uh, from playing a 23-year-old rookie who is very limited offensively more
0: minutes. Look, man, true story. Uh, I have a friend from college who is also a Penn State fan, um, and he bought a Lamar Stevens jersey, so that's that's where we're at.
1: I'd consider it. I'm not going to lie. I would straight up consider If only because, like, my alma mater doesn't exactly produce <laughs> NBA players. Like, Tim Frazier, uh, you, you know, the legendary uh, guy who just pops up on NBA teams on 10 day contracts. When the starting uh, point guard gets injured, like we have Tim uh, I'm looking at our basketball uh, reference uh, page right now. There have been 15 Penn state players who have made it to the NBA. <laughs> um, the person who has had the most productive career was a uh, former Seattle SuperSonics legend Frank Brakowski. And actually I think right now we might have the most players we've ever had in the NBA uh, with like two and a half because I think Josh Reeves is a G League guy. So uh, the fact that Lamar is playing uh, and contributing, I do not know a – and like Lamar is just a fantastic guy, uh, legitimately someone that everyone in the Penn State community loves and is rooting for. Uh, So the fact that he's able to land on an NBA team and he's been able to contribute – could not happen to someone who deserves it anymore
0: yeah uh and the the, the shared text from his grandma is just mr leonard is just <laughs> chef chef's kiss perfection i
1: so real quick i was talking uh i know we've tr- you've tried to end this podcast like no it's okay times I, right Bill, now, and I apologize no, Bill, i'm all for this I the actually,
0: listeners are getting extra content for free <laughs> and like they they can they, if they wanted to not hear lamar stevens if they could have just ended and and they did they probably did
1: exactly so no uh i i'm actually in a group of friends with Uh, you know, a group text with some Penn state friends and one of them sent that uh, and said, you know, it would be really funny if, uh, if Kawhi sees that. And I just thought like, man, it would be really great if Kawhi Leonard, like the next time that they play, Kawhi just, you know, hangs 50 on Lamar's head, just absolutely explodes. And then just starts trash talking, you know, calling, uh, talking about mom, mom to a guy who has 4,500 <laughs> Twitter followers, uh, and like Kawhi had probably never heard of before the game. So that would be, uh, that, that would be extremely fun. K-
0: Kawhi's heel turn is just like talking shit to Lamar Stevens would just be like an incredible, incredible wild, wild moment that I, I, Listen, man, enjoy.
1: I, lo- I love Kawhi and I do not want to have to have a friend break up with him uh, because he is mean <laughs> to Lamar. Yeah, that, that's very fair. All
0: right. Again, find Bill, um, on Twitter, Bill DeFilippo, check out everything they're doing over at up Rocks. Bill. Thanks so much, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Cool, man. Thanks.